Anybody recognize that voice? Don LaFonte. That's awesome, isn't it? I love that. The lad far away. We had so much fun making this video, especially when I was coming down out of the ceiling. There was like an 80 pound girl belaying me. She kept hitting the other side. <laughs> Bam! I'm, like, I'm sorry. It was great. We had a good time. And uh, <laughs> we're going to give you one of those for free today. So if you're interested, uh, well, I'll tell you more in a few minutes how you can do that. Uh, but the real question is so that was two years ago. On a three year campaign, we got one year left in this campaign. And, and, and raising finances and, and just checking out and resources and seeing what God would have for us. So in two years, what's happened? That's the real question. What has happened with the resources that, that, that God has brought? And here's the first issue I talked to you about was doubling the capacity in the Sugar House area. Guess what? He did it. He did it. He doubled the capacity. You're it. You're sitting here right now. It's okay. You can clap. It's great. It's awesome. I mean, Seriously. You want to talk about answered prayer? We, we were looking all over Sugar House. We're going, we're, we were taking like staff meetings and driving, having staff meeting like in the car and driving along and trying to find buildings. And we'd find the building, but there would be no parking. And we'd find a great parking lot and there's no building. And that's kind of bad. And, you know, we'd look for a property and it's too expensive. And yada, yada, all this. It was so horrible until we realized, wait a second, 200 feet from the front of our red warehouse is another warehouse. But there was a business in here, so we started praying that they would either go under or do really, really well. And they did really, really well, which is good. And they, they had to get a bigger place. And suddenly, here it is. It's amazing. And so the, uh, the funds for Discover More was, was used to, to outfit this building and uh, help us meet our first goal in doubling our capacity. I'm juiced about that. I, it's amazing to me. Because uh, I stood in this, this warehouse, <laughs> there was paper everywhere. And some of you saw the video you know, last year on that. And, and what it looked like. I, this doesn't even look like the same place. It's amazing. Technically right now, no, I guess I still am inside the building, but even building onto the back of this, it's just phenomenal. So the, the, the second thing that happened during Discover More is that a lot of resources, finances came in. Now, when I tell you what the number is, and perhaps some of you have already heard this, uh, it, it is staggering. It's staggering how much, how much finances was raised. And so we, we had an expert come in and he said, listen, if, if, you, if you raise like a million dollars or even two million dollars, that would be phenomenal. It'd be really phenomenal and, and just miraculous. And, and, and in total, $5.1 million was raised. That's amazing. I should actually say it was pledged. And so we have, we have one year left in this three-year campaign and, and, and pledges keep coming in. And and, and there's a mystery, and, and just, you know, kind of an elephant in the room. There's a mystery as to whether or not all that money will come in on pledges, right? And, and we don't know what this, this, you know, economic times that we're in right now. But here's, here's, the, here's the, 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 the real deal, is that I am certain, beyond any shadow of doubt, that God knows exactly what K2 needs, exactly what we need. Every, every talent, every person, every gift, every finance, every dollar... I'm not even concerned about it. I, I, I'm not, because here's the deal. It's his church. This, this church doesn't belong to anyone. This church belongs to God. And collectively, we make up his body. He is in charge. This has been his whole idea since the very, very beginning. And so that was Discover More. And uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about it uh, later on if you want to get involved. In, and I'll talk to you about uh, these packets right here a little bit later on and how you can pick up one of these guys that's available today. But, but here, here's the bottom line is we are not going south 
And, and we don't have that as an initiative this year because we think, ah, oh, it's just a great idea and there's, you know, maybe we should just go to the opposite end of the valley and it'll save on gas money for those of us that live down there and, you know, it's less of a headache. Or... No, none, none of that stuff. We are going south and eventually north and eventually west and, and all over this valley and hopefully out, out into Utah and up and down the Rockies. The reason why we're doing that is because this is God's idea. And this is what... We, at the core of who he is, his heart, and what he's asking us to do. And so before we even get into the specifics of South, I just want to talk about this really quick. God is missional. Would you agree with that? God is a missional God. And here's what I mean by that, is that God throughout all of history has been on a mission in order to bring you and I back into relationship with himself. We're going to kick it off with Isaiah chapter 14 here, and we're going to look at just a couple verses here to talk about this missional God that we serve, that we're in relationship with. Here's what he says in Isaiah 14, verse 26. He says, I have a plan for the whole earth, for my mighty power reaches throughout the world. The Lord Almighty has spoken. Who can change his plan? So what what is his plan? What, What is God missional about? This God that we serve, he is missional about his mighty power and his character and his heart reaching the entire world, this world that we know. And I love it how the end of the verse says here, who can change his plans? Let's just take a guess on that. (laughs) No one can change his plans. (laughs) He's God. And so God is on a mission. God has plans and no one is going to stand against that. And ever since sin has entered the world and the fall of man, God has had this plan to rescue our hearts and to redeem this relationship, to redeem us, to reconcile us to him. The Bible tells us that as as history progresses here, it's coming towards a a climax. History is not circular. It's lineal. And and, and, and before long, the world is going to come to an end, and, 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 and God has got a plan. He started it all. He's going to be there in the end. And in the end, his purpose is to reconcile us in relationship to him so that we can spend eternity with him in heaven. In fact, all of his, all of his love letter, his, his word says that his plan is that every single person, every person would hear the good news. And that good news, his word says, all throughout the gospel is that he is in love with us, that he has a purpose for us, that there is grand forgiveness for us, that there is grace, and that there is a home in heaven. That, that is the good news. That is his whole entire love letter. And so God is on this missional plan to pursue us and I ask this question all the time, and maybe you struggle with this too. I bring it up from time to time. I, I am, I'm blown away that, that the creator of the universe actually wants to have a relationship with Andy Marshall. <laughs> Do you ever think about that? I mean, sometimes when you hang out in church, it's, it's, some questions like that just kind of get pushed off to the side because it's, it seems like, yeah, well, obviously, we've been, we talk about that all the time. But when I actually stop and think about it, it is quite remarkable that God maker, creator, supreme, majestic God wants to have a relationship with me. Why? Why does he want to have a relationship with me? And, and, and as I read through scripture and I see here that his, his word says because he is missional about relationship. He is relation, relational to the core of his character, to to who he is. He's just not all brain. He's just not a machine. He's just not, you know, just a robot. He is in intimately relational in his character. 
wanting this, this, this intimate relationship, personal relationship with us. And so that's why the first two initiatives this year are so important, this walking alone piece. Okay, so I'm really excited about walking south and going south and very, very, very juiced about that. But here's the reality. It actually doesn't matter <laughs> how great walking south is if, if we don't really take, take hold of, of walking alone and walking with God one-on-one. And if you and I are not connecting with God and spending time with Him and really, really starting to fall in love with Him, it doesn't matter how grand other, other church plants are and other campuses that start. It doesn't matter unless we're in a relationship with Him because that is the number one thing that He desires. And then second, that we would be in relationship with His body, with one another. So the bottom line is about this missional God is that God wants nothing more than for you and for me to just drink full of a relationship, to experience his immense grace, his immense forgiveness, and to, to madly fall in love with him. That, that's the mission of God. That's his plan. I feel like that, that summarizes all of, of, of the gospel, his, his work to reconcile us to himself. And because God is missional, because that's his heartbeat, then Jesus is missional. God the Father has a plan, and that plan is carried out through Jesus Christ, who is also missional. Here's what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter, chapter 1, verse 15. It says this about Jesus uh, uh, redeeming the, the mission that he was sent to do. Here's what he says. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. In other words, Paul is kind of kicking it off saying, Here, here's something non-negotiable. Like, this is very important. This is, this, you can take this as total, total truth. He goes on to say, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That was Jesus' mission right there. He came to save sinners, of whom I am the worst, Paul says. So Jesus' mission, God the Father's missional, Jesus' missional, Jesus' mission is to do the redeeming through the sacrifice of himself, the Son, on the cross, his, his spilled blood, to save, to redeem, to, to save us from our sin. And because the Father's missional, Jesus is missional. And just as a side note here, I, I think this commentary by, by, by Paul is, is, is I, I love it. He ends up saying here, of all the sinners of whom I am the worst. <laughs> I read that yesterday and I'm like, wow. Does anyone ever feel like you are the worst sinner on the planet? Okay, don't, yeah, don't raise your hand because people will start moving away from you. <laughs> I'm like, watching you closely. I do. I totally do. I, I feel like, I feel like I'd be right in line behind Paul. But here's Paul. I mean, good night. The apostle Paul, here, here's the guy that should not be the center of all worse sinners. I mean, for goodness sake, he got a book in the Bible. He's got to be doing something right, right? And he's saying, no, I'm the worst of all. In other words, Jesus' whole mission, Jesus' whole plan, I'm the worst. He came for me. And I feel like I'm right behind Paul in line saying, yeah, and he came for me. Chief of sinners. See, Jesus did not, as we look at the word, Jesus did not come simply to, to merely show us how to live a, a really great life um, or better life or to challenge us to, to just be better people. Jesus came missionally to save us. That was his whole deal. That was his whole goal, to save us so that we would experience eternal life. It's interesting, you catch glimpses of this, this heart that Jesus has several times. In, in Luke, 
chapter 13, Jesus starts talking about Jerusalem and, and so much so that his heart breaks for the city of Jerusalem. And then later on in, in Luke chapter 19, Jesus is walking towards Jerusalem. He's on the outside of Jerusalem. He's walking towards the city. And, and his heart is just filled with sorrow for Jerusalem. It says in the book of Luke that he began to weep for the city. Not only is Jesus on a mission, but his heart bleeds, bleeds for us to fall in love with God. That was Jesus' mission. I read that and um, immediately a, a question just popped into my mind. When, when is the last time that, that I, I wept for Salt Lake City? Okay, I mean, I, I don't know, I, you know, because I'm so busy. I don't take time. And, you know, do I, really, do I really have compassion for this city? If not, then, you know, why go south? Why, why start new campuses? Why, why even start new churches? Occasionally, it'll come up when, when I'm standing on one of the peaks surrounding the valley. Have you ever had those moments? Maybe it's Ensign Peak or, or Olympus or, you know, one of, these, one of these great peaks that you can stand on top of. And I love to take the girls out, um, hiking, and we get great vistas and just great views. And I have this weird bipolar deal going on in my thinking inside my heart where it's like, man, I'm, I'm totally enjoying this, this vista, but at the same time, my heart is, is asking all these questions because I look out over the valley and I just see all these people. And do you ever have this moment you just go, man, what is going on in their life right now? So many people, a million people from there to there. What is going on spiritually? Does my heart break? Does your heart break? Like Jesus, when, when I think about the pain in this valley, when I think about... What's, what, what's happening in the lives of people, the heartache, when I think about maybe the, the, the brokenness of relationships, when I think about the fact that there are so many people that, that, that don't even know what, what grace is. It's just a foreign, foreign concept, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God. We don't even know. That's the heart of Jesus. That's mission right there. That is what Jesus came to do. Because see, the the Father is missional. And because the Father is missional, Jesus is missional. And because He was missional, when I fall in love with Jesus, and when I start start realizing this relationship with God, and when He starts infecting my life, and when His character, I I start taking on His character, and when my heart breaks for what His heart breaks, do you see the progression here? I become missional. That's why I'm excited about self. That's why I'm excited not only about South, I'm already thinking about North. That's why I dream about planting churches and campuses all over this valley. Not because we, we just want new, new locations and this, and wouldn't that be great, blah, 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 because my heart can't but be affected when I start renewing my eyes and seeing people the way God sees them and the way he saw me. God is missional. So that Jesus would be missional. So that I would be infected and be a missional to the core of who I am. And that I would join him in this mission. We've got to touch this, this great passage in 2 Corinthians to just kind of pull back a few more layers before we go into specifics of, of what going south really means. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14... Um, it really takes this mission to, to the next level and kind of tells us 
what it means to follow Christ missionally in the kingdom. And here's, here's how it gets kicked off here in verse 14. For Christ's love, oh, and I really love the way this is said here, compels us. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. This word compels, I get this real sense of um, the suggestion of like this, this power, this exertion of power behind it, this inner strength. I'm being compelled by the, by the love of Christ. That something is happening inside of me, that welling up, that I'm starting to understand this mission that I'm called to. And so therefore, I have to take action. Does that make sense? Like, I can't, I can't just be quiet anymore. I have been so changed, and maybe that's your experience too, that something has happened within your heart, within your soul, from, from meeting Jesus Christ, from understanding this forgiveness, to, to just walking alone with him, that you become compelled by his love. In a small way, I kind of sense this a little bit with, with Beth, you know? That the, the closer we get, and the more warts and all she loves me, and the more intimate we are, man, I just, and I still, by the way, I still feel like we're just scratching the surface even after 14 years. Like we're, we're pulling back another layer and another layer. And the more layers we pull back, the more I'm compelled to do crazy things. Like the dishes, you know? <laughs> I would never want to do the dishes. But there's this weird thing. She feels loved when I do the dishes. It's strange, but I'll do it, right? We'll do the craziest, wildest things for the people we love, that we love because we're compelled. And that's such a small level, isn't it? The grace and the forgiveness that is given to us by the death of Jesus Christ, the reconciliation of, of, of my relationship to, to God through what he did on the cross is 10,000 times more powerful. And when I experience that type of love, and many of you know what I'm talking about, you're sitting here because your life has been changed. That his heartbeat becomes my heartbeat. That... Uh, he starts to define who I am. And there's a radical rescue that happens in your heart. It goes on in verse 15 to, to, to say these, these words. And he died for all. He died for all. That's amazing love. That means that there's not one person around you there's not one person in your domain, whether it be work or school or neighborhood or job or life or whatever, or family, there's not one person surrounding you that doesn't matter to him. And see, that's a foreign concept to us because there are people that are around us that often don't matter to us, <laughs> that we tolerate, workers that we tolerate or, or family members that we just tolerate or neighbors that we, we try to avoid. He died for all. So every person matters. And because God is missional, Jesus is missional. And when I start falling in love with Jesus, my heart becomes missional. And my heart starts to change. And lo and behold, I start loving the people I wouldn't normally love because he loves them. 
his character in me. People start to matter because it's him, his love through me. In verse 15, he goes on to say this, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again, which begs a question there. But he died for those so that they should no longer live for themselves. So the question is, who are you living for? Hmm. One way to answer that is, is to kind of take inventory of your life. Who are you living for? To spread out your finances, spread out your, your schedules, spread out your, your, your whole entire chapters of life, and to take inventory. I've spent a lot of, of time in my life uh, chasing stuff, chasing money, <laughs> chasing uh, a lot of stuff, chasing girls, chasing things and uh, realizing that there was no satisfaction in that. You hit the ceiling of satisfaction. People talk about that, hitting the ceiling in their jobs, you know? Man, there's no, nowhere to go. I think the same is true as hitting the ceiling of your satisfaction when you look around and you realize you're not satisfied. That's when you know you're living for yourself. And God says, let my love compel you and live missionally. That's life. Because you and I were created to live for something way bigger than we can imagine. And here it comes in verse 18. Here's the big part. And all of this, meaning all this grace and forgiveness that was talked about in the previous verses, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And here's the, the rush part. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Okay, wait. So God did the reconciling through Jesus Christ meaning that our relationship was broken, right, because of sin. And so because of Jesus Christ, he does the reconciling. But then the ministry of reconciliation is given to us. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation, which, which here's, a, here's a quick summary of what that means. Look at verse 19 here. That God was reconciled the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So we're given the ministry of reconciliation, it says, meaning that we, we get to take the message to everyone else. And then he goes on to say, and you've been given the status of an ambassador. The very definition of an ambassador means that you can't stay where you're at. <laughs> if you're an ambassador and you never leave the country, you're not actually a very great ambassador, are you? And he says, a great ambassador is one who goes, who takes the message, who speaks on behalf of a king or a leader, who walks like Christ walks, whose character is changed by Christ's character. His mission becoming our mission. His ways becoming our ways. Don't you love this progression? That God is missional. And because God the Father is missional, Jesus was so missional to accomplish God's plan. And that when you and I run headlong into the mission, we become missional because our lives are reconciled. But here's the wild part, that when you and I then come together 
There's a fourth part here. We together become missional. Because I think there's something very amazing and powerful and supernatural that happens when the body of Christ meets together that cannot be done by Lone Rangers. That has to be done collectively, doing life together. And I think that's why we're constantly uh, scheming at K2. I am all the time. I'm constantly looking for buildings. Like, I'm so weird. I'll drive by, like, you know, vacant uh, buildings and warehouses and go, oh, yeah, I could totally see a church there. You know, <laughs> I'll, I'll see, see things for sale and I'll wonder how much they cost and all kinds of, I'm constantly scheming about, about how to expand and do it together. And that is what God has called us to do, to make a missional impact together here in the valley. And I love to refer to it as the ripple effect. Here's the ripple effect. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. You'll be my ambassadors, my witnesses, in Jerusalem, and in Judea, in Samaria, and to Moab, and to northern Arizona, and to the ends of the earth. See, the ripple effect has already started. Sometimes, I, don't you get a little more excited about a wave? I'm telling you, I get excited about ripples because I know what they lead to. Here's one great ripple. 50 people quit their jobs and sold their homes four years ago, five years ago, to move to Utah. Okay, that's a ripple that gained momentum. Hey, just give me a shout out if you were one of those 50. Somebody. They're here. They're watching us. <laughs> 50 people. That's phenomenal. A couple months later, like, like 12 months later, that 50 people almost tripled. And 130 to 150 people started K2. How many, I don't know how many people are in here right now. Is Eric in here? I don't know. 300, 400, I don't even know. I'm so bad at counting. That's just like a small section, isn't it? Just like one section over here that started K2. Isn't that phenomenal? And the ripple starts growing. And did you hear? Maybe I already told you. I hope I didn't already tell you because it's so exciting. Did you hear how many people actually showed up at Christmas time? 1850. What? What, what, what was that? Like, suddenly we got this wave going on. And you can't, you can't measure success by, by, you know, bodies or anything. But I'll tell you, it's a great indicator that God's moving, that something's happening, that God is on the move, that these little ripples become bigger and bigger and bigger. That's why I'm so excited. I start to get goosebumps when I think about South Jordan and West Jordan and, 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 and Sandy and Draper and Riverton and all these people. And, and, and the people are living down that area that may have not stepped into a church before. And the next ripples that go beyond that, I'm already thinking and very excited about going north and what, what are the possibilities and what might be going on out west and, and all of these things collectively, this mission growing, growing because God is missional and Jesus therefore is missional and, and we are missional because I can't, my life has just been redeemed by it and, and I'm changed, I'm different and when we come together, there's power and there's something supernatural, missional in the church happens and these ripples get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and guess what, we might just start working with other churches. And churches start coming together in the valley, and it's happening for one of the first times ever in Utah. And the ripples get bigger and bigger and bigger. And guess what? What's happening in Utah is not necessarily unique all over the United States. 
plants, uh, churches are being planted, campuses are getting started, and around the world, there are more believers today in China than there ever have been before. This is not small stuff. That's why I believe this is the greatest ride that I have ever encountered in my life. And that's the initiative for 2009, that the ripple has major effect in people's lives. Acts chapter 5, verse 38 says it this way, and you saw it on the video. I have to tell you that um, I still get choked up when I see that video, especially when this verse comes up. It has the wildest effect on me because suddenly I'm not just this little guy that's just kind of eking through life. Suddenly, as I read this verse, I understand that I'm a part of God's mission. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. I was talking about the followers of Jesus Christ. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. And so I want to ask you today, are you ready? Are you ready? I'm telling you what, this year, (laughs) I am so ready. I am so ready. I feel this mission welling up inside me to engage what God is engaging. And I hope many of you are going to go and engage with me on it. Even if you're staying north, still engaging. Hey, we're going to turn a corner a little bit here. And as we end this day, what I'd like to do is just briefly share with you some of the the real tangible, some real specifics about what South Campus means for us. And and we're going to start off with, you know, what what is the difference between maybe understanding what a campus is and what a a church plan is? There's been that question kind of floating around. This is a good question. A church, a church plant, we will do many of those, I hope. Oh, I just hope we have tons of those that will happen throughout the years. A church plant is autonomous. It's, it's, it could be very different from K2. Still in the K2 network and, and still a, a church that, that, that we're, we're fostering and, and, and growing together, but it might be just totally different, like country western. You know, who would do that? But, but country western, <laughs> I just offended almost all of you. And, uh, and maybe, maybe that sort of, or maybe just a, a church that, that is to a different demographic or something, something else that's very, very unique. That's a church plant. But what a church campus is, 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 is it, it's almost, uh, you can almost think of it like a clone. The same speakers, the same, you know, uh, the same speakers traveling around, they're kind of the same themes, the same music going on. The same, the same um, uh, worship and, and, and same services going on. So if you're heading south, that, that's what you have to look forward to this year is that, that it's actually going to be a campus. So a lot of the same speakers that you, you know and we rotate will be rotated around. And what's, uh, what's happening up north here will happen down south. And uh, we'll definitely do church plants in the future, but 2009 is about campusing. There are three other things that I want to talk about really quick, and, and, and they're this. Uh, people and finances... And then we're going to talk about uh, location and building. Okay, that was four. But location and building, we'll throw it together. So starting off with people, here's the deal. As far as people, because you kind of need people to plan a campus, right? So as far as people is concerned, we're ready to go south right now. Right now, we're ready. And, and in fact, uh, we've been referring to the, the, the white box here as the incubator. 
right? And so everybody that you see serving in the incubator actually has already committed to go south. So, so yell at all the tech people back there. Hi, tech people. Hi, all the tech people are going, going south. I, I feel like I'm really loud. Am I loud? Yeah? The people are like, ah. Uh, uh, connections. Do we have any connections people in here? Two of them. Oh, oh, look, they're streaming in as we're talking. All the connections people in here are, are already planning on going south. The band, here's, here's a band member. Say hi, Brad. Hey, Brad. <laughs> so Brad, he's back, no. But Brad, Brad's going south, and the whole entire band too. So anytime you see anybody up here on the stage in the white box or, or serving or in the tech, every single person in this building is already committed to go south. That's pretty phenomenal. In all, there's about 150 people that have already committed to go south. In fact, if you're one of those 150 people, would you just stand up really quick? Stand up. If you're already going south, you're like, I'm totally in. Stand up. Excellent. Excellent. Give it up for these guys. So there's about 150 people that make up the launch team, and, 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 and what's happening already is they're meeting monthly and getting together and, and talking about and casting vision. There are small groups, like kind of life together groups that are going on, and, and Bible studies are happening down south where they can start inviting their neighbors and their friends. It's, it's already happening. So as far as people go, we're good. We're totally good. 150 people. Wait, how many people uh, launched K2 at the opening? 150. Isn't that cool? So already there's a launch team ready to go. Here's the second topic, and it has to do with finances. The Lord has really, really, really blessed us over the last couple of years with some great finances. As, as I was talking about, almost, almost $2 million uh, have, have come in from Discover More pledges. And, and after refurbing this and, and refurbing the red and, and doing some work in the parking lot and all this kind of stuff, there's about a quarter of a million dollars earmarked to do South Campus. That's pretty cool. Quarter million dollars. And, and, and it sounds like a lot. Until you realize we were, we were, we were doing about uh, 1.5 million is what we thought to, to, to plan a campus. So a quarter of a million totally gets the ball rolling. And in fact, we've actually begun to rethink that a little bit. And, and we're thinking like, we're feeling a lot more comfortable with a quarter of a million because we're feeling this call from God to really start to simplify, to simplify and not to have all the bells and the whistles, but to have all the messaging going on and everything that we need to get going, to be real organic and, and really start uh, uh, the, the campus in that way. But, but there still is a need for some more finances and some more, more pledges to come in. And I want to really encourage you, if you have not checked out Discover More and, and really grabbed one of these packets, there is a little card on your, your seat. You can see it there. Why don't you go ahead and grab that card. If it's sitting next to you, just eyeball it really quickly. And on this card, you can write down your name and you can take it out to the lobby afterwards and just uh, hand it to the person on the table. And they'll give you one of these Discover More packets. And uh, here's this is a really cool packet here. You can open it up. And we baited you by giving you some, uh, some popcorn. And uh, so check it out. There it is. Some popcorn. The popcorn is not three years old, though. It's brand new. We swapped it out, so no worries. And then you get the, uh, the really cool little DVD and a ton of explanation. There's some fantastic stuff on here. Uh, Dave really sharing his heart and his vision for, for church planning. And, and here's the deal about Discover More. Some of the funds for Discover More will, will definitely go to, to help this, uh, the South Campus start. But a lot of the funds will go for, for starting other additional campuses. Because I, I, I feel every, everything inside of me that God is leading us north. Man, and I, I would not be surprised if it is not right around the corner. In west. And so a lot of the finances that will be coming in again and again are going to be used to start new churches and new campuses. 
And I want to seriously just really challenge you to sit before God on this and say, God, what is it that you would have me to do? Above and beyond, like what I normally give, what, what would you have me to do? Is there something that you want me to discover on that? So check out one of these. The South is definitely the next step, but there are so many more steps and ripples that are going to be happening as we plant and start new campuses in the near future. Here's finally the, the last thing um, is the where, the big where question. Where is South Campus going to be? So I made a little graphic. Check it out. So the South Campus is going to start at the little Krispy Kreme donut at the top there. <laughs> that, that intersection is I-15 and 9000. It's kind of like what, what, what we're really looking at. And from that area, spreading south to 123rd and over to Redwood. And, and so here's the deal. If you drive through that area, if you look, live in that area, if you work there, whatever it might be, to really keep your eyes peeled, just totally looking for, for warehouses or, or anything, any and all thing. Uh, and we're looking for about 30,000 square feet, um, parking for maybe two, two, 300 cars in that area. And uh, so, so please send emails, text us, call us, and tell us about all, anything that you see in that area. And the cool thing about that area is there's not a whole lot of churches right in that, that particular area. There's some more churches down south, but right in that particular area, there, there's not a church like K2. And what's cool about that area is that we have a lot of people that live just west of Redwood that would be able to access that very easily. And in, in South Sandy and South Jordan and West Jordan areas. And so we're really excited about that area. Again, keep your eyes peeled and, uh, and call us. And the other thing too is like if there's schools in that area... Oh, we've been really kicking around the idea of, of setting up and going in the weekends and being portable and just whatever it would take to actually be obedient and just go for it and uh, engage God in what he's doing down that, uh, that part of the band, uh, uh, valley. Here's the last thing I want to say, too, is uh, all along the way, we just really need to be in prayer this year to be sensitive to God's timeline. My hope, again, is that... Eight months from now, <laughs> ten months from now, that you and I would just be ah, worshiping and just so excited because we're opening up the doors of a South Campus. That's my hope. The reality is that, that sometimes God has other plans. But as far as we can, we are going to be tra- uh, tracking that down, being obedient, faithfully following Him, and trusting that He is in complete control. So I want to know if you're with me on this. Those of you that are, are already committed to go south, that you would be praying for that. Those of you that are staying north, that you would be praying for that. Because here's, here's, here's the, uh, the bottom line that I've been really feeling. Is that no matter if you go south or if you stay north, K2 might be two churches in different locations, but we are one church of K2. It's not just south people that are committing to this. This is K2, the church, committing to be obedient, to follow God and what he would have us to do for 2009. Hey, band, why don't you guys come on up? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to, uh, to consider taking a challenge today. This might be the... Uh, this might be the most serious challenge I've ever asked you. I, I don't think that I don't think there's been a more important commitment that I've asked you to, to encounter. Because as we talk about this, the ramifications for planning churches and starting new campuses, 
might mean that, that you and I have the opportunity to be a part of, of some, some of the most crazy, incredible, phenomenal history, spiritually speaking, that takes place in this valley. That you and I would have a chance to really be a part of what God is doing missionally in the lives of people now, right now, and for eternity. That's a big, that's a big commitment. And so here it is. Will you go? <laughs> Will you go? Now see, going means different things. In Matthew 28, we call that the Great Commission. Jesus said, therefore go. Go, tell everybody. Go, go to the far ends of the earth. Tell people about me. Share my news. Share, share everything about me, everything that you've learned. Baptize them. Teach them. Go in my name. For some of you going, maybe physically going, that you, that you sit before God real prayerfully and, and, and ask him, Lord, is this what you're asking me to do? And even though it's 15 miles or 20 miles, it's a big commitment. For some of you, you'll be leaving friends and the community. You'll be starting again. And that might be really tough. For some of you, going might mean that, that you're committing to actually really, really pray. <laughs> that even though you're living north and your community's here and you work here and your family's here and, and K2 North is, is your home, for you, going actually might mean covering that team in prayer. For you, going may be that, that you give up your time to help build it out. Might be that you give up your finance through, through picking up a Discover More packet. It might mean your talent, your gifts, that you invest. That's, maybe that's what going means. For some of you, there might be a question mark. It might be something completely different that God is asking you to do, to engage with him in his mission. But I want to know if you're willing to do that. It's K2, the church, an adventure with God. I have to tell you, the last four or five years, I think it's five years for me now, have been very risky. There's nothing easy about what God's called us to do. It's been very difficult. Um, we've seen God's hand move incredibly. There's been no sweeter ride than what's happened here on 21st South for me. I tell Beth all the time, I, <laughs> I tell her that I, I just... I want to be a part of every move that God does. I don't want anything to stand in the way of me going. I wouldn't trade the last four or five years for anything. Some of you know exactly how I'm feeling on that. You're with me on that. And yet God isn't obligated to do it again. <laughs> but I pray with every fiber that he continues to ripple spiritually all throughout this valley. And that we would go, that we would engage. Jesus tells us throughout his whole entire word that you and I have been given all authority. Do you, you understand what that means? It's all authority as his ambassadors to carry truth. There, there is no, there's no other group of people that has that kind of authority. There's no other nation that has that kind of authority than the followers of Jesus Christ. There's no other government. 
There's no other business, other organizations that are authorized to carry the ministry of reconciliation. God is saying, I'm telling you, the church, to go. And when you and I cease being missional, we cease being the church. He's calling us to go. He's calling us to make waves and ripples, to impact people's lives for all of eternity. It starts with one step of going south, and and that's what 2009 looks like. Would you pray during this, uh, this first song here? Would you really pray? Be bold. Be risky. God, what would you have me to do? How do you want me to engage in that? Physically? Spiritually? By praying? Financially? Through my gifts, my talents? God, what would you have for me? Join me in praying. While we worship God, we're going we're gonna to take an offering here. And again, if you're, you're here visiting, this moment of offering is really a chance to just worship God. That's, that's really all it is. To give back to him a portion of what he's given to us. So zero pressure. If you're visiting, feel free to let that pass by. This is really for people to call K2 their home. Let's worship.